Jesus' name. But he said, amen. amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. 430 years of slavery has been left behind in a miraculous exodus punctuated by Pharaoh and his armies being wiped out at the Red Sea. And the promise is next, except it wasn't. Doubt in the residue of slave mentality has caused a straight path to become a snake-like one instead. An 11-day journey is now involved into a 40-year march of death. In fact, only two of the original spies that caught a glimpse of the promise remained Caleb and the Israelites' new leader, Joshua. And Joshua moves the people across the flooded Jordan after purification. That is the path of the power they need. Our lesson today is discovered. So let's back up a second and reflect on the promise once again because it gives us a glimpse about what is going to happen. Exodus chapter 3, verse 7 through 8, New Living Translation. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I'm aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey, the, the land where the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Pezrites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, and all the live. Before the Israelites entered the promised land, Moses told them in Deuteronomy 9 and 1, Hear, Israel, you are now about to cross the, cross the Jordan to go in and dispossess nations greater and stronger than you. Wow, thanks for the pep talk. With large cities that have walls up to the sky. And now we see Joshua and the people poised to possess, and we come to Joshua chapter 6, 1 and 2. Now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed, was allowed to go in, to go out or in. But the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its kings and all its strong warriors. The promise included the prophecy regarding this lesson before they even arrived. Jericho is the fulfillment of this prophecy. And I don't have time to deal with it deeply with the, with the way that Jericho was destroyed. Most of you know the account we are enthralled by the impossible battle strategy that the intervention of God sees these people with the walls come crashing down. It grabs our attention, but we literally miss the lesson that we should have grasped when we read the promise. There are two major obstacles to experiencing the promise that we must address right from the beginning. Are you ready? Promises are almost always accompanied by parasitic people. <gasps> Pastor, wait, hold on, before you get offended, let's look at the definition of a parasite. It's an organism that lives in or on an organism of another species, its host, and benefits by deriving nutrients at the other's expense. Or a person who habitually relies on or exploits others and gives nothing in return. Like squatters who are unlawful residents that skim, steal, and settle on land that doesn't lawfully belong to them. They siphon off and claim ownership to territory that has already been given to somebody else. Squatters claim rights over the spaces they have settled on by virtue of occupation rather than ownership. They have no legal authority to be there, no claim other than the fact that they have been there. Israel's first task upon entering the promised land is to unseat and remove these parasitic people. They should have known it because the promise informed them that there'll be resistance. But here they are, 
less than a few miles into the promise and they come face to face with squatters who occupy what is not theirs. They have history, but they have no authority. I have discovered that promises are almost always accompanied by parasitic people. I've found that there will always be people that will try to attach themselves to your promise. They have no right there and they'll try to reap the benefit of your promise that it was intended for you and that will use up your blessings. How? How can we identify parasitic people, Pastor? Well, let me tell you, they, the people like to use the collective we in an attempt to be included in the benefits of what you fought and sacrificed for. Surely you recognize the people who hang around and your promise to steal your joy, to steal your peace, to steal your provision. Surely you recognize that there are certain people who are using up what is meant for you. Their history with you causes them to act like they should be granted access into what is not theirs. People say, come on, you know, I've been with you since day one. Hey, I'm a day one, homie. Yeah, you are, but <laughs> I've been down since day one. I, I've, been, I've always been here. I've always been here. Don't you think that you should give me parasitic talk? Parasitic people will always try to accompany the promise. They have no history, but they have history, but no authority. They fortify the words with forever. I've always been with you. I have always been a part, but you understand, I've told this church many times that there's places you're going to go that people that are attached to you can't go. So you have two choices to make. This gets hard, so breathe in, breathe out. It gets hard. You can either stay where you are with people attached to you that have no right and not, they don't have the same promise, or you can say, I love you, but I got to go. You have two choices because there are some people in your life that can't go where God called you to go. And if you try to drag them there, they will drag you down. Well, Pastor, I don't have anybody that, in my life like that. Well, well, good. Just pray for other people to do. But you can spot these parasitic people because they will try to make withdrawals where they have not made any deposits. Who has settled on your land that occupy your time and your energy and your efforts? I, I, I preached a message here um, about leeches, people that attach themselves to your life and will suck the joy and the happiness and the energy out of your life. You can't pull it off. If you try to pull off a leech, what it'll actually do is it'll regurgitate in your wound and cause infection. It have to be taken off specifically, but I don't have time for that. See, but my question is, who is stealing your time and your energy and your efforts in the process that keep you from marching into your promise? Who's on your land? Who is settled in your promise? Who is stealing what is meant for you? Who is claiming benefits that are meant for you? Here's the hard part. It doesn't matter if their name Hittites, Amorites, Uncleites, best friendites, boyfriendites, girlfriendites, cousinites, or co-workerites. I don't care what they're called. There are some people that are trying to benefit off of your blessing, and they have no, no right. All they have is history. See, they are parasitic, and you must address them and run them off. This is the hard part, is because we like people who need us. We do. We love to be needed. Walk up to a stranger and say, hey, can you help me out? Yeah, yeah, what do you need? I don't say, yeah, yeah, what do you need? I want to know what you need before I say, yeah, yeah. But people love to be helpful. Hey, I'm in a bind. Could you help me out? We love to be needed. But there's some people in your life that have need that are not healthy for you. 
And just for, just for the record, I'm not talking about your spouse, so just keep looking straight. If you don't detach yourself from these people, you will never get to your promise. Why? Because they distract, they delay, and they detour you from getting the fullness of your promise. We talked about it before. There are some people, if you answer their phone call, it's going to be two hours of your life you'll never get back. Not one second is edifying. There's some people, uh, we went shopping with my wife yesterday, and I asked one of the people that work in there, I asked the lady, I said, how you doing? She said, huh? I said, that's a loaded question, isn't it? She's like, yes, sir, it is. Um, and then she just started talking about all the, the reasons why her life is bad, because she's actually working. <laughs> See, there's some people, there's some people that do not know how to do anything positive. They come into your life. And all they say is negative things, and all they do is distract you and detour you. And let's be honest, you are worse off when they leave. Ooh. Hey, Rick, is my microphone working, brother? Okay, I just want to know because, man, we are in the library today. Praise God. They distract, they delay, and they detour. Now, okay, we can deal with this. Some people say, I don't have any parasitic people in my life, Pastor. I'm going to stand for that. No, okay, well, then hold on. Promises cannot be fulfilled until we deal with partitions. Ooh. All the men in the audience are like, no, bro, don't go there. Don't go there, bro. Go back to parasitic people. See, the children of Israel don't just encounter people. They also encounter partitions. They are faced in what seems like an insurmountable obstacle, a fortified wall. So let's talk about the wall the Israelites face for just a second. Son, can you put the cut sheet of the wall of Jericho up on the screen, please, just for a second? Oh, there it is right there. Does it look different than the walls of Jericho when you read your Bible? Right, the walls of Jericho, you just see wall. Huh? No, 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 this is, this is. The mound of Jericho was surrounded by a great earthen and rampart or embankment with a stone retaining wall. The retaining wall that you see there was like 12 to 15 feet high. On top of that was a mud brick wall six feet thick and 20 to 26 feet tall. At the crest of the embankment, going all the way up, there is another wall that was roughly 46 feet above the ground level and we're told was so thick that chariots could ride on top of the wall. Does that seem like insurmountable? Ex-slaves just crossed the Jordan River and within miles they encountered Jericho. I submit to you that every promise we have received from God will almost always be accompanied by the necessity of addressing a walled-off area in our life. Partitions. Too often we've allowed another king to set up unlawful residence. And our ability to truly experience the fullness of the promise is contingent upon our willingness to tear walls down. We must expose every inch of our life to God. The walls that we allow to be built in our life are huge obstacles to getting our promise. This is what's tough. This is what's tough. Most men that I know are like, Pastor, don't out me out. Don't out me. Most men I know, we are good at building walls. When we do marriage counseling or marriage seminars or marriage preaching, I tell you, do not ever, 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 ever compare a man to another man because you are making him build walls. Men, let's, let's just be honest now. Let's just be honest. There are some people... 
Oh, help me, Jesus. We can cut this part out. There are some people that you love to lay hands on in a form like this right about here, uh, but you can't because you're saved. So what do you do? You build walls. You build walls. And now when you talk to me, your words don't hurt because there's something in between you and I. And I'll never let you get in because you hurt me one time. I was vulnerable. And as a man, I will never be vulnerable again because that person hurt me. So I built a partition. And people you love can't get inside. Why do women say, I just can't reach him, Pastor? Because he's hiding behind walls. There's partition areas in our life that we don't even let God get to. God, you can have all of this, but this thing right here is mine. We build walls around it. It just seems like it's, it's that nothing could penetrate. But if I was a gambling man, and I'm not... I would venture to say women build walls too. Oh, no, he's never going to hurt me again. No, 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 no. I'll, I'll never go through that again. Let me see if I can explain what I mean. Bless you. Have you ever written, uh, hopefully, you've written down the promises of God. We've done that before. We've written down the promises of God this week. You should have now added to that list the steps that you must do to participate. And now you are poised to experience the fullness of the promise. And but have you noticed as, as you take step towards fullness, as you're making progress, going toward the promise in the last couple weeks, that walls show up? You're about to walk into the promised joy and uh, old, hidden, and maybe even forgotten anger rises like a wall and keeps you from promised joy. You know, you're like, I thought I dealt with that. Where'd the rage come from? Oh, I know. It's a walled off area. Have you been so close to promise peace and out of nowhere anxiety floods in and you can't sleep, breathe, or relax? Has exhaustion become a wall that keeps you from promised rest? Has promiscuity and perversion become a partition in an area that is off limits to God that keeps you from promised purity? There's people saying, I, I just, I don't know you anymore. Has anybody ever said that to you? Just don't say nothing, just don't say it. You push the wrong button. And all of a sudden, people say, I don't know you anymore. No, no, this is the real me. You just made yourself, uh, you, you just found yourself behind a wall. It's always been there. The anger, the anxiety, the rage, the depression, whatever you want to do. You put your label on it. It's always there, but it's been walled off. We hide it. We come to church camouflage. We come to church like everything is great. We go to prayer with God and present everything but our walled off area. You're like, Pastor, I don't know how I can't get my promises. I do. Because you have to deal with your partitions. Those are walled off areas in your life. They have to be addressed in order for us to experience the promise. You can't bypass the walled off places and expect to enjoy the promise. Those areas have no legal right of ownership. Instead, they simply occupy and try to convince us that they are permanent and have legal right to stay. I have literally watched hundreds of people and even experienced it myself. We get excited about the promise God has given us and then fail to ever fully live in that promise. Has anybody besides me got excited about what God's doing? This is awesome. And then somewhere along the way, you fail to live in that promise because we come up against these massive walled off areas in our life. See, let me let you in on a little secret. Not every church person, even those that go to church during COVID, have it all together. You only see what I let you see, and I only see what you let me see. We're good at it. Let's, let's just be honest. Let's just, isn't that such a novel idea, being honest in church? Oh, there's areas you have them, and I have them. These walls are massive. 
massive. We think they're impenetrable, and we begin to think it's just always going to be there. So we refuse to address the walled-off areas in our life, and in the process, we miss the promise. We caught a glimpse of it. We tasted it for a second, but we failed to possess it. The only thing standing between most of us and the fulfillments of a deliverance is the wall. You can see it in the altar all the time. You ever see anybody go to the altar and they have their hands clenched like this? You cannot receive like this. Why do we ask people to raise their hands? Because it forces them to open up and become into a, a posture of receiving. Do you need to re raise your hands and receive a blessing from God? No. But if you come to me like this, I'm not praying for you. Why? I can't pray through your wall. If you have people like, why do you, you know, they're trying to, they want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and they won't even talk. Why? They don't feel good enough. And it seems like there's a string that's connected from their heart to their head and it's down like this. Closed off wild areas. I'm not good enough. God will never. All of this, all of this is partition posturing. This right here, all this is saying there's areas in my life that I hope no one ever sees. And you know what? I hope God doesn't see them either. But we come and we sing about the promise. We'll run around the church and run people over about our promise. But we won't deal with partition areas. What is wrong with us? She's somewhere along the line. Somebody lied. I don't know who it was. That if you go to church, you have to be perfect and have it all together. And if you let anybody know that there's some areas in your life that still need to be dealt with, people will look at you differently. Thank you. I just need one amen. I just all need thank you, sister. May the Lord bless you. Even after we're willing to cut off who we need to cut off and drive out who we need to drive out, too often we failed to deal with the walled city. See, the parasite, the parasitic people are easy. For some people, for some people, it, it, you'll always have it. Have you ever seen the, um, the bird that is on the, the rhino's back? Just look at National Geographic. There's something always a bird on the rhino's back. The bird is eating the parasites off the rhino. So, but the rhino is blind as a bat. So what they're saying is the reason the rhino lets it there is because when poachers come, the bird will actually make noise and the rhino will know and run. It says that there is like a 75% chance or likelihood that a rhino will escape a poacher when it has that bird on its back. See, there's some people that, but there's also that bird doesn't just stop at the parasite, those wounds, the bird will actually begin to, to eat the rhino and to drink his blood. So it's painful for the rhino, but he accepts it or she accepts it for the little that they do. Too many of us have a relationship with parasitic people that there's just enough benefit that will always let them hurt us. Ooh, yeah, thank you, thank you. Ooh. <clears throat> Why? Over and over and over do you let that person hurt you? People on the outside can't understand. And, and, and all you can think of is the two things that they might do for you. But you hurt over and over and over again. And that bird scars the rhino because where there was wounded before, the bird just attacks, attacks the wounds. Do you have anybody in your life that instead of helping you heal, seems like it's scarring you? Just questions. I don't got the mad face on, do I, baby? She said, when I preach, I get the mad face or the cry face. I'm not mad. I'm not mad. I'm not mad at you. But there's some people that are being hurt over and over again, and you're getting little or nothing out of it.
All right, let me see if I can help. I want to talk to you just for a second or two about the last holdout. What is your last walled place? What has set up a fortified area in your life? You're free in every area. Now, don't say nothing because we're in church. You know how church people gossip. Don't say nothing. Just think it. What's that one area? You're free in every area but that one. You feel so bound. You feel like you have no freedom. It feels like it has control over you. You're embarrassed and you're ashamed of it and you hide it instead of letting God deal with it. Just that one last one. He has exercised deliverance in every area but that one. That one place is fortified, and until that wall comes down, you can never truly be free. I don't care how many times you've been baptized in Jesus' name. I don't care how many times you speak in other tongues. I don't care how many times you make your way to the altar. I don't care if you fast till your belly button touches your spleen. It's to do, until you deal with this walled-off area, you will not experience 100% freedom in your life. So what's your walled-off area? Habits? Negative or nasty mouth? Love or relationships, thought life, dreams, plans, defense mechanism. Are you silently saying, God, you can have all of me, but not this one thing? And it's that one thing that keeps you bound. It's usually the first thing you encounter when you finally make up your mind to enter the promised land. You finally make up your mind. No, I'm not playing around. I've been in church this long, this long, this long, whatever you say. I've been in church 15 years, five years, three and a half months, 11 minutes, whatever it is. And you say, you know what? I'm finally going to do what God told me to do. I'm going after it. The very first thing you encounter, more than likely, is that one area. As soon as you bump into it, all of your motivation just evaporates. You thought that there was nothing impossible with God until you bumped up against that fortified error and you thought, well, maybe he can't help me either. And so then you relegate yourself to a chair and just go to church. It will raise its head every time you start towards your promise. What is that thing? What is that thing? Church, are you listening to me? Okay, go like this. Just go like, okay. Are you listening to me? What is that one thing that every time you try, you bump up against? Let me name a few that, because everything I say, you, you think it's talking about sin. How about fear? You are scared to death to do anything. How about, uh, let's see. Let's see, what's another one? How about you feel like you're never enough? You feel like, why try? I'm not good enough. Everybody's better. Everybody, I, I might as well even try. Everybody's better than I am. Everybody does it better and, and greater and bigger and whatever than I do. Or, you know what? I failed so many times. Maybe I just don't fail. Maybe I'm a failure. Why try? Walled off areas. Everybody thinks I'm talking about, you know, um, drugs and pornography and having affairs. No, no, no. They, they can be a lot cuter than that. That's why you don't deal with that wall because you think everybody has a little bit of that fear. Maybe, but if it paralyzes you and keeps you from your promise, that's a walled-off area. See, you're closer to God than ever, and that habit comes back. You're closer to being fulfilled than you've been, and surprised out of nowhere, a relationship comes along. You're almost at victory, and, and that thought that you thought was forgotten comes rushing back. The key to fulfillment of the promise is that you have to destroy Jericho. It stands in your way. They could not march around it 
and avoided. They marched around it until the walls fell. It was no detour. God said, didn't say, hey, go around it, boys. Woo-hoo. No, 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 you're not ready for this. God says, no, welcome to the promised land. Deal with the walls. They just crossed over. And remember, I didn't even talk about last week, but you got 40,000 guys on the other side ready to fight. They knew as soon as they crossed the water, the waters of the Jordan River, that they were going to fight. They knew it. And as soon as they encountered Jericho, God gives them a different plan that probably we would do. But they knew it. The very first thing, you're in the promised land. Look, this is great. Oh, wow. Oh, my walls. God makes them deal with the fortified walls. If you want to get, if, if you want to do more than just go to church till now, from now till Jesus comes, and you really want to do something and experience everything God has for you, you have to deal with your walls. And everybody deals with them differently. See, we must allow the deliverer to invade, walk, explore, and liberate every inch of our being. Jesus made it a policy to tear down walls. Anything that separated us from the completing work of God. He tore the veil so we wouldn't be separated from God. He tore the wall down. He destroyed the middle wall of partition in Ephesians 2.14. Walls of separation between men and women, Jews and Gentiles, so that we can experience each other. He is a wall dropper if you let him. Jesus is not embarrassed by your wall. You're embarrassed by your wall. He is not offended. He does not feel betrayed. You feel like you're betraying God. You are embarrassed. You, you have all these feelings, and God says, I already know about it. Just let me deal with it. You're trying to hide it from him like he doesn't know. He knows, but he wants you to give it to him. Notice, if you will, the method that Joshua used to defeat Jericho. I instructed by God. They circled. Wait a minute. They just finished circling for 40 years. More circles? I mean, God, can we get more original? We've been walking around the desert for 40 years in circles, and you wanted me to do more circles? Aren't circles wasted effort? Aren't circles futile? But there's two different kinds of circling. You either circle to put off or to postpone, or you circle to put out and get rid of. See, too many of us are circling to put off entering the promised land. That's delay. That's circling out of disobedience. A lot of us have been circling the same area far too long. You can see your footpath around because you've been circling and circling and circling for so long. However, you can circle out of obedience. You can circle to target. You can circle to say all of my attention, all of my efforts, all of my prayer is going to focus on this one thing until it's leveled, removed, and put out of my life. What kind of circles are you doing? See, we, we, we mistake movement for progress way too much. The Israelites circled for 40 years. That's a lot of walking. No progress. A lot of movement. No progress. Are you circling out of disobedience? Are you circling to put off? I'll just get it tomorrow. tomorrow. Are you a spiritual procrastinator? It's time to circle whatever it is that's been walled off in our lives and put it out. So our task today is identify the people in the areas of our life that need to be circled. Identify it and circle it for a Jesus invasion. When you win this fight, it starts the domino effect and you march in the fullness of everything God has promised. You can't march any deeper until you unseat the squatters and stop the walled off places and level them. 
here's the thing, is that when God's spirit shows up, whatever's behind the wall is in fear. They get there and Jericho already heard and they're scared to death. You know what? The area of your life that you have walled off is scared to death. That you'll stop trying to go around it and you'll actually circle it until the walls come down. We build so many walls in our life. We compartmentalize everything. You know, you get that work-life balance, put the work in the box, put the life in the box, put the wife in the box, put the kids in the box. Everything goes in the box. But what else have you put in the box? Oh, you know, I'm dealing with this addiction, but um, I'll keep the addiction, God. You just save me in my addiction. Oh, I have this little thing in here. I hope nobody ever, ever finds out. But I think I got the walls high enough they can't see inside anyway. So let's just, I'll keep that, God. You can have the rest. This is going, young trip, about as good as I thought it was going to go when I was preparing. So here it is. Stand with me. I'll give you some, a reprieve. It's easy to shout, we got to prepare for the promise. Woohoo! We got to participate in the promise. Yeah! Now, get rid of your parasites. Get rid of partitions. Let's talk about preparing again. No, no, no. Too many folks are fixing. Talked about before, fixing too. We got people have been fixing. Fixing to do something for 20 years. All right. You prepared long enough. You're participating, but now you have to deal with the people that are trying to attach themselves to you and they're holding you down and holding you back. There is a sense of freeness of giving up. What? We've been putting on this facade for years. We have this area. We've been protecting it. But there is some freedom in saying, God, I just got to give up. I, I am not going to try to keep this walled off anymore. I don't know how you're going to deal with it. I don't know how you're going to help me. But, God, I give you access to it. There's a freedom in that. Stop trying to be God and just let him behind the wall. See, the reason you don't is because, one, you need to like it, or, two, you don't know how God's going to fix it. And you're scared to death as God starts fixing it. He's going to out you and everybody around you is going to know. God is not like us. People will out you. People will throw you under the bus. God says, give it to me. Let me deal with it. I'll fix that area. And by the time I'm done, no one will even know there's a wall there. What are you afraid of? What is holding you back? I'll tell you what. Let's do it this way. I don't need to know what it is. Maybe it's people. Maybe it's partitions. But if you're here and you say, you know what, Pastor? I'm not just going to shout about preparing. I'm not going to shout about participating. I'm going to deal with the last few things. That will keep me out of my promise. And as Todd sings, would you find a place to pray? And would you ask God to help you? Tear down every partition. Turn on every fortified wall in your life and let his spirit reign supreme. Would you ask him, God, if I don't know if there's parasitic people that are attaching my, themselves to my life, will you please show me? God, help me to enter the promised land. What do you say, church?
as Todd sings, can we find a place to pray?